0: the lane, 15-10, touchdown, Chargers!
1: What's up, guys? Welcome into a week six edition of Chargers Weekly. Bolts about to take on the Broncos on Monday Night Football. Chris Haver here with you. Matt Money-Smith going to join us at any moment. Also expecting Jeff Miller So Daniel Popper has the floor early in the podcast. Daniel Popper, the athletic. And Pop, I want you to power rank these storylines from Cleveland. The midges, the fourth down call, or the 238 rushing yards. How would you rank those?
2: Okay. Power ranking in terms of how important I think they are for the rest of the season. Yeah. Number one, 238 rushing yards and getting the ground game going. That's what I'm writing my film review about. It is monumental for this offense to get their running game going in that fashion because now they put it on tape. Now teams have to respect it. It's going to open things up for this passing game. It's going to open up their play-action game. Um, and I think like there's a, there's a level of confidence now for the offensive line that's had a lot of moving pieces for these running backs that, hey, we can do this. If we execute properly, we can do this. And I think that's huge for this offense moving forward. Number two, I would say the fourth down call. Here's where I'm at with the fourth down call. Right. You can love it. You can hate it. You can be indifferent to it. This is what I wrote on Sunday. That's totally up to you. Right. And I understand people that hated it. I understand people that loved it. What What I take away from it is this is who the Chargers are. This is who Brandon Staley is, and this is how he's going to make decisions. And so all of your opinions have to operate within that context, that this is the identity that he wants the team to have He's never ever shied away from communicating how he goes about this process and the fact that it's going to be the process since the day he took the job, he's been completely open about it. And so you have to understand when you're when you're formulating opinions that this is who they are, and he's not going to shy away from it. He's not going to change the process like this is how he wants to operate as a decision maker. And so was it risky? Yeah, hundred percent. It was risky, but in that moment. He trusted his offense to get those one point seven yards. He felt like Mike Williams was going to win his matchup with the rookie corner on the outside. And I can understand the thought process there. I can also understand people that are like this goes against every fiber of my being. And how could you not punt the ball away and and play it safer in you, that scenario? What did
1: you personally think, Popper? Because you know, you've been on board with the fourth down in the analytics. What was your personal opinion based on, you know, a minute thirteen left, no timeouts for the Browns, Jacoby Brissett?
2: I probably would have punted it, to be honest. But that's just because, like, you know, in my mind, if I was the head coach of the football team, I'd be like, if this doesn't go down, I'm going to get absolutely crucified. But that can't, like, that, but that just shows that I'm not confident and I don't have the same conviction that Brandon Staley does. And the one thing you want from a head coach is conviction. You want a plan. Like, this is how we are going to play. This is how we are going to make decisions. And you want that to be structured and you want that process to be seamless and it is for the chargers like they do have structure and they do have a process in terms of how they go about this and they really believe in it you know I, I think the fact that I would have punted it away is just a, is just an indication of my lack of confidence and the fact that I wouldn't want to deal with that backlash but Brandon Sally's is willing to deal with it if it goes down or if it doesn't he knows over the course of the season he believes firmly that it's going to be a positive for the team and you go back to the Houston game and you know up three with a little over five minutes remaining, they go for it on fourth and one from their own 46-yard line. I'm not going to say it's the same situation, but it's a pretty similar situation. They have a great play call, outside zone play action. They hit Austin Eckler in the flat. They score a touchdown on the drive, and they and they walk out of Houston with a 10-point victory. That was a crucial play in the game, but it doesn't get nearly the same kind of coverage when you're successful versus when you're unsuccessful. And I think the key for a coach and a decision-making group is to always stay level regardless of it's successful or if it's not and i can understand if you have an issue with the play call ultimately like they trust mike williams to win one-on-one against martin emerson in that situation i can't really fault them for it like you can understand the thought process there right so i can see both sides to it but as long as they're consistent in how they're making these decisions and that and there's a plan in place and there's a process in place that they're sticking to it's hard to be super frustrated with it because the alternative is that you have somebody making decisions without any sort of plan, without any sort of structure and just relying solely on their gut in specific situations. And we've seen what that can lead to.
1: Sorry. I was looking at on my phone, trying to get Jeff Miller on board yeah. here
2: with this. Number three uh, is the midges, by the way.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so tell me about, listen, I didn't know I wasn't educated on the midges. I think you tweeted something out. It was, I mean, it was kind of gross. Uh, it, it was interesting we ha- we, <laughs> we happened to be in Cleveland the week that the midges came out of Lake, Lake Erie right?
2: Yeah well I was talking about it and then some guy in the press box, older gentleman who'd been it, it, like living in Cleveland you know forever I'm sure you know gave me the whole rundown. They come out every well, once a week every October and they spawn and they swarm and then they are actually food for the migrating birds that are you know migrating south. For the winter and so i guess like all of the birds come to cleveland to feed on these midges for a week and you know the symbiotic relationships and in, in nature man super cool but yeah i mean it, i thought it was going to be a big factor but what actually happened was i guess they don't like the sunshine yeah it, so, it was
1: it was like uh, a little overcast or a little a little darker in the morning so they were they were yeah. all over the place in the morning
2: yeah it cleared up by game time it like cleared up and it was really sunny and they kind of dissipated and they were still on the windows. Like, they were kind of hiding in the shade, though. So once it got sunny, it wasn't really a factor. But,
3: yeah.
1: yeah people was, popping uh, in. It was interesting, yeah. People popping in to the podcast. Matt Money Smith I miss? joins us. We're, we're still trying to get Jeff on uh, Money, but I just asked Popper to to give me his power rankings on storylines from Sunday. Midge's. Uh, fourth down call and uh, 238 yards rushing. i love to get your, uh, your rankings of those storylines.
0: Well, I, you know, I think Brandon Staley, obviously, and Popper did a great column about it at the Athletic. Um, you know, fourth downs are always going to follow him. And, uh, look, I didn't it – was, it was funny because DJ, you know, they call the timeout. We assume they're just going to try to get him to jump. Doesn't work. They call the timeout. And I'm just like, well, you know, JK shanked that punt. You know, he's got to get some leg into this one here. And, and as I'm going through that, DJ being the polite guy that he is, is like, hey, uh, hey Matt, the offense is still standing on the field. They're, <laughs> they're going to go for it. I'm like, no, they're not. They've got two timeouts. They're going to try to get him to jump one more time. He's got this reputation. What a great setup. Get a hard count. You know, it'll be – and when they snap the ball, I was like, holy crap, they're going for it. Um, I'll say this about it. At the very least, I liked the play call. I, I liked the idea mm-hmm. of putting the ball in Herbert's hand and, and attempting a pass as opposed to trying to run it, packing it in. I liked spreading it out. Mike was taking advantage of Denzel or Newsom, whomever was on him. Um, Martin the Emerson, whole game. yeah, Emerson. Rookie. So I was like totally fine with that call. It was exit. Look, it's it's weird to say, but I mean that that was. It's kind of on Herbert, you know, like the the pocket wasn't collapsing. It was clean. He wasn't under pressure. And he just kind of let that thing fly a little early. I mean, Mike had not even turned around yet, um, which was also it could be on Mike. Maybe he took the route a little too deep and was supposed to break in a little bit sooner. But was I crazy about the call? No, I wasn't crazy about it. But I totally understand it. That's that's probably the best way I can put it. It's like uh, Nick Chubb, you know, that was a curious game. I thought Stefanski called a really bad game. Um, just freaking hand the ball to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt the entire game. They couldn't stop him. Yeah. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. like, you know, DJ said it on the air. He said, every time, uh, every time they go empty, a Charger fan gets Angels wings or something like that. It's like, why are you going empty? <laughs> what are you doing, Stefanski? Like, it was – so I think it was a little bit of the, you know, okay, we haven't really been able to stop this offense. If they want to get 40 yards, they're going to get 40 yards. The flip side to that is – You know, Brandon is a huge college football fan. He scouts. He really enjoys the draft process. He knows what kind of leg Cade York has. And the second you don't get the fourth down, he's in range. I mean, Cade York can kick from 65 yards, you know, and he made that 58 yarder with 10 yards to spare in the first game of the year. So yeah. that's the one sort of, if you want to call it a little reckless part of it. It's like, no, they've they've got a kicker. They don't have to gain a single yard, and I would feel uncomfortable about Cade York kicking that ball. So that's, you know, sort of where I come out on the the whole fourth down thing. I think it's, yeah. I don't know, kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth, but no. Look, I mean, if it, me, I would, if it were me, I would. If it were me, I would have punted it. If it were me, yeah, that's just exactly because, what I
1: said.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Hey, the uh, the the running game though. We were just talking about it, money and you know, two hundred thirty-eight yards. If you would have told me. Uh, the dead last rushing offense in the NFL would outrush the most prolific uh, rushing offense in the NFL and do it in a way that was so dominant with Eckler. And, you know, we talked about it on this podcast money, Josh Kelly getting uh, meaningful touches. He got 10 touches, made the most of them. And, you know, we see this offensive line, man, with, with two rookies, Corey Lindsley back in the mix filer, the way Trey Pipkins got hurt, came back in, Thought it was a gutty performance from the offensive line. Uh, I'd love to get your thoughts and, and then uh, Popper, just to piggyback off of that, especially the, the rookie and Jamari Sawyer.
0: Well, I'll start with look, you know, I, I think we've we've been talking about it at ad nauseum here. You know, I just I couldn't figure out how Josh Kelly fell behind Sony Michelle in the pecking order. It didn't make any sense to me. And it showed up again. You know, Austin has a great series running the ball. And then all of a sudden Sony shows up and you get nothing. You're off schedule immediately. And we even said it on the air. We said, look, I get it. Sony's a vet. He's proven it. They maybe, maybe they trust him in pass pro or whatever it is. I was like, but the, 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 you know, this happened in Houston, that this was the third quarter in Houston, you know, it was Sony off schedule carry for negative two carry for three, like just and sure enough, you know, you credit the coaches because they saw it too and they're like, All right, we can't do this. And it was Josh the rest of the way. And I think that's it's gonna be interesting. You know, it's gonna be interesting if if they wanna keep Sony in that third slot or if they're willing to give Isaiah Spiller a look now, because just to put it bluntly, he just he hasn't produced. Sony has not produced since he signed with the Chargers. Josh is a much better compliment back than Austin. And the other thing I like Popper, and I'll I'll end it here, is like he's just so different. You know, Josh isn't the kind of guy that's that's patient and has vision and is trying to pick his. No, you hand him the ball and he is going and he is bringing contact to the defense. And I just love the way the two of them complemented each other in that game. Good. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 100 percent. I mean, I've been I've been on this train since like July 26th that like he's clearly been the second best running back in that group. Even before Sony arrived, he was ahead of Larry. And Isaiah, and then when Sony got here, just the way he's produced. I mean, you can look at the numbers. Like, it's there for you. Josh yeah. is averaging 1.2 yards after contact per rush more than Sony Michelle. Like, what does that tell you? Like, that's just, that's not blocking. You're talking about what happens after the running back gets hit, and Josh is averaging more than a yard more than than Sony is. Yeah. And you can see it you can see it when you watch him. Like, it's just the way he runs. You know, it's exactly what, what Money said, bringing it to the defense. So one thing I want to say about the running game, Corey Lindsley was unbelievable in this yeah. game unbelievable and I think that's a huge thing because he's dealing with this knee issue he takes a game off he, he gets a he gets a you know a shot in the knee and you know you start to see him play like the Corey Lindsley that we saw last season particularly it's a in homecoming for before.
1: him too Popper Youngstown yep
2: yeah but it all starts with him like when he's getting movement at the point of attack it just makes everything look a lot better it makes those guards look a lot better they know where to go um you know and so Corey was the engine for this running game because they were getting a ton of push at the point of attack.
0: And we saw that in Houston, you know, that's, that's the thing. It's, it's so different. You know, like what I remember, you know, the, when, when clap played that game, it's like, you know, he he came in in the second half and they were like, yeah, you know what, will will was okay. Yeah, he was, he was okay. You know, Corey Lindsley's arguably the best center in the game. And as you said, Mm -hmm. it, it changes everything up front, especially like Matt Filer was having a really rough go. And he is just a different player when, you know, that, that uh, pass out to the left flat. Uh, I thought it was offensive. It was my favorite offensive play of the game. I mean, Miles Garrett is a hair away from getting to to Herbert. He lets it fly over that giant outstretched arm. Eckler makes a one-handed catch and out in front of him is freaking Matt Filer, just making a killer block that led, you know, it's an incredible throw. It's an incredible catch. and, Austin makes two people miss and Filer just makes a killer block out in the open field for that touchdown. Just for whatever reason, Matt just plays so much better when Corey Lindsley is out there. And I think he was like, I don't want to say liability, but he was struggling, you know? And, and when Corey came back these last couple games, I think he's looked a lot better.
2: Yeah, Yeah. You talk about the center. Just one more thing, Chris, just you talk about the center being a force multiplier. Like that's what that guy is in the middle because he makes those guards look a lot better. And it's like, you know, Matt Fowler is a solid player as long as Corey Lindsley is in there. I think that's what right. we realized here is that he's a completely different player when Corey isn't in there getting movement in the passing game, um, you know, with his awareness and pass protection, being able to chip, being able to move around and help these guards out. And I think you saw Zion Johnson come to life in this game as well. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it all, it's all happening when Corey Lindsley is returning to an all-pro level.
1: I think this this first half of the season, these first five games – can really be broken down into like six quarters. I I said this last week and I firmly believe if Corey Lindsley was in the game in the second half uh, against the chiefs, they would have won that game. And then you go into the Jacksonville game with a quarterback with fractured rib cartilage, without your center, without really knowing how Justin's going to react to to playing with those uh, with that broken rib cartilage. So, you know, they were able to kind of right the ship after those six quarters. Three and two could easily be four and one right now. And, you know, before we get into the Broncos money, we, you know, Chargers, they sit at three and two with an opportunity to go to four and two and two and one in the division with Seattle on deck after that before their bye. I, I would say you would take that if we were talking, uh, you know, September 1st before the season, be potentially five and two at your bye if you take care of business these next two weeks.
0: Yeah, I'll say, you know, just to kind of, before we look that far forward, you know, we said it when, when Rashawn got hurt, when Slater got hurt, it's like, well, I think they lost the second most important player on the team. And, and now I'm wondering if Corey Lindsley's the second most important player yeah, on the team. I think just so. Just all the stuff he takes off of Justin's plate with protections. And like you said, Daniel, like just what a, a, a force multiplier he is. I think that's what we discovered is, you know, mm-hmm. Lombardi and, and Coach Staley done a great job and Shane Day of, of scheming You know to help out Jamari and and to you know and you can do that with tackles it's it's the interior of the line when it goes bad it goes really bad especially with a guy who's got fractured rib cartilage so I think that's what we figured out Mm -hmm. through these last two games is is Corey's the second most important player on this team um and and hopefully he stays healthy for the remainder um in terms of being three and two like you know I, I think we got into this last week Chris you know, it's it's not just your record independently; it's your record in connection with the rest of the conference. And yep. it's just been such a year of parody. You know, it's you, you think about that. You know, it's unfortunate because it, it felt like the Raiders kind of. It's very similar to the Charger game against the Chiefs. They had them. You know, you just you felt like yeah, this Raiders team's got them. They they they've got something working. Max Crosby is a force, and Patrick's not comfortable. And then it just got away from them for whatever reason that happens you know, with the Chiefs. Now, the good news is they're playing the Bills this week, you know, and the Chargers are home on a Monday night with a little bit of extra rest for their guys against a Broncos team that's really struggled on offense. So perhaps there's an opportunity to, to tie a top. The one thing I'm – I'll just plant this seed for you, too. Like, the one thing I hate when superstar players struggle like this and they don't get right before they come to, to you, it's like, you know, look, Russell yeah. Wilson looks overweight. He looks uncomfortable. It seems like he is not well-liked, but he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and has proven that for the last eight, nine years. So that, when you get all of that piling on top of you for the last three weeks, it's just he's not going to have a a season like this all year long. It's going to pop. Cortland Sutton is a nightmare to cover. Jerry Judy's an incredible route runner. Albert O oh is a tough cover. The one benefit is they lose their left tackle, their offensive line's banged up, and without Javante Williams, they're just not the same team. Melvin Gordon is not Javante. It changes everything. You know, Mike Boone, same thing. Latavius Murray, whomever it's going to be. Um, but that's the one thing that sticks out to me. It's like, man, why couldn't Russell Wilson have had a good game last week and put this whole thing to bed instead of going into Monday Night Football where everybody's saying, why do we have Russell Wilson and the Broncos on primetime? Every freaking week they suck. pop popper uh 10 days rest
1: too for for the broncos they were embarrassed against the colts and to money's point i I feel like it's just a matter of time before russell wilson has a has a decent game plus that denver defense has been awesome they're number one against the past they'll probably get justin simmons back for this game and uh you know uh, dj just broke down bradley chubb two and a half sacks against the colts five and a half this year Uh, he's a nightmare too and it's another big test for jamari sawyer
2: yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more about the whole Russell Wilson situation. Like he he's not going to play like this the whole season. Right. And like, yeah, I, I, the narrative is, oh, like we totally overrated him when he was in Seattle and the let Russ cook, you know, campaign was total BS. He's still a really good quarterback. And like, I think the feeling in the locker room right now is like to just hoping that he, he has one more bad week, but like Nathaniel Hackett got this job for a reason. I know a lot of people are talking about him. You know, he might be like, in over his head. He's a poor game manager, all of this stuff. You know, he's a rookie head coach. He's, he's been a really good offensive coach in this league for a long time. Like he took Blake Bortles onto the cusp of a Super Bowl as a play caller in Jacksonville. Like he, he's not, um, you know, a, a bad offensive coach. And so you feel like this thing's gonna get on the tracks at some point. And I think the Chargers are just hoping that it takes one more yeah. week for that to happen. Just going back to your point, Chris, about you know where the team is at in terms of being three and two at this juncture. I think you have to look at it in the context as well of how many injuries that they've had. So if I told you that Rashawn Slater was out for the season, if Joey Bosa was out, of if and Allen missed four weeks, if Corey Lindsley was dealing with in the knee injury, all of these different injuries that and they're the dealing with, I, and the quarterback <laughs> having having rib cartilage a fractured rib cartilage, you know I think that's important as well. And I think it, it's a testament to how they've adjusted here, uh, offensively and even defensively, to to get to this point at three and two, um, you know, the way that they've, what, what money was saying, the way they've schemed up to, to, you know, have Jamari playing at this level. And, and listen, like there were some reps against miles Garrett where he got beat. Like that's just going to happen. But I think in that Houston game specifically, like the way they schemed things up was brilliant. Like I thought it was a fantastic, fantastic protection plan from Joe Lombardi, from Brendan Nugent, from Sean Surratt, Shane day, all of those guys, the way that they were mixing up their chip help, the way they were motioning guys over there, he really wasn't one-on-one very often. And when he was, he played really well. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of the time it's like, okay, Jamari Salier played really well. Let's give all the credit to the player. I think you have to give some credit to the coaching staff. As much flack as Joe Lombardi takes for his play calling, you also have to give him credit when he schemes things up really well. And he's done a fantastic job of scheming things up, mixing things up in terms of how they're helping him over there so that, you know, keeps these d- these edge rushers off balance. And he gave up some pressures to Miles Garrett. But the one thing that really jumped out to me was, You know, when there was pressure, he was able to force him wide. And Justin Herbert is so good at at maneuvering in the pocket. And this is absent of how good he is at escaping and creating off script. The way he maneuvers and manipulates the pocket, I think, is really underrated. And so Jamari knew, hey, if I, you know, Gareth's got this unbelievable bend. If I can just force him wide enough, yeah, he might get a hand on Herbert. But Justin's going to have the feel to step up and avoid the sack. And, you know, I think that was a really good good plan from jamari salier and he told me this week that he got a lot of help from Rashawn slater in terms of implementing that plan i think rashawn has been you know a consummate teammate in terms of being there for jamari and helping him in this transition
1: real quick brian uh i i can't see popper can is that is that going to be an issue because it's it's recorded locally
0: yeah i see him perfectly i heard everything perfectly okay maybe that's me that may be
1: my internet then all right hold on one second guys sorry yeah I, you know, I texted you to see if you could call him. He's trying to get on the app. Okay. And if he can, he can. All right, three, two, one. Yeah, hold on. Jeff said, sorry about that. Couldn't get on my computer or phone. All right, yeah, Brian, if you call him. All right, three, two, one. So, Money, I look at the Chargers' defense, 30th in points per game, 25th against the run, 20th against the pass. Uh, we saw Nas Adley get benched in favor of Alohi Gilman, who had a, a really clutch uh, interception that probably yeah, should have exactly been the right. game. exactly right. Alohi's
0: killer. pass defense, man. Had to get him in there.
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so, are, are, are you concerned, or do you think it's just a matter of, hey, J.C. Jackson needs to get the requisite amount of uh, reps with the secondary. They, they kind of need to figure out what they're going to do. I don't know if it's a week-to-week thing with with Nas and Alohi, if, if it was more of a, a game plan-specific thing. But uh, what's your level of concern with the defense with, you know, a, a pretty good Broncos offense coming in? It hasn't shown on the field, but the pieces yeah. are there.
0: I mean, look, I, I, I think it's fair to put it at – I'm going to put it at a 5, and I'll tell you why. At a 1 to 10, I'll put it at 5. So here's why.
2: An orange the J- flag.
0: Yeah. The, J- the Jags should have been up 28-3 to in that game, uh, but the defense was able to bow up when they needed to. They created um, turnovers when they absolutely had to against Houston after their offense completely shut down in the second half. And all of a sudden, you know, that – the time of possession and, and the, the numbers in the first half against Houston were so lopsided in favor of the Chargers. And then all of a sudden, in the third quarter, the defense is out there for like 12 minutes. Um, so I, I think in that context, they got the interception when they needed it. They got the turnover on downs when they needed it. They made plays when they needed to. Um, you know, Cleveland's a nightmare. They are a nightmare to contend with. Um, offensively again I put that loss (laughs) for the Browns on Kevin Stefanski I don't know what the hell he was thinking with some of the play calls you know because they were working and and that's the case against everyone I mean there's a reason why Nick Chubb averages you know over five yards per carry in his career and he's averaging over six yards per carry this year so like that's just reality you're going to lose some of these battles Um, I feel like they're making plays when they have to that's why it's kind of that orange flag. In light of all the injuries, um, J.C. is obviously not himself. You know, whatever is, is going on, he is not right. I, I you know, I, I don't know what the approach is going to be, but, you know, I, I thought when, when Mikey was put in there, he, he was okay. You know, he's, he's good in run support. I thought his coverage has been okay. You know, he's played 100% of the snaps that JC's not playing and 0% of the snaps that J.C. is playing. I think there's room there to feel things out. You know, if, if J.C. Yeah. looks like he's struggling, I don't know why you don't give him a series off and throw Mikey out there and see how it looks. Um, so I think that's, of all the things, that's a big concern to me. I think Tranquil's played exceptional. Uh, I think Austin Johnson, Sebastian Joseph Day have played fantastic. Um, the pass rush was was a little, you know, yeah, the pass rush was not great against Cleveland. Those tackles are good. They're not great um the interior of their line is where they make their bones um and I think it was you know DJ brought it up I'll I'll credit him he's like man Khalil against Jedrick Wills is a is a dream matchup just because Jedrick does not deal well with power you can put him on skates and Khalil never rushed against him he was on Conklin the entire time so it was just kind of curious the way that that shook out um I knew the interior wasn't going to look like it it did against Houston you know, just that, 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 was like, that's, you know, the Morgan Fox sack, Sebastian Joseph Day sack. that's not happening against Cleveland. So hopefully against, you know, a much less stout interior offensive line of Denver, we're going to see that come back and those schemes are, are going to work. So yeah, I think I'm at a five out of 10. What about you pop?
2: Here's where I'm at with the defense. It's, it is a boomer bust defense. That's what it is right now. They give up a ton of explosive plays, but they also make a ton of splash plays. And and they're, they're able to save themselves at this juncture of the season because of these splash plays. But in order to be a better defense overall, they have to be more consistent on the plays outside of these splash plays. And I looked up the numbers They're They've allowed 40 explosive plays in the season, which is any rush over 12 yards or any pass over 16 yards. That's the eighth most in the league. And then our Mike Sando at The Athletic compiled a statistic called splash plays, which is forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, interceptions, sacks, pressures, forcing a throwaway, uh, run stuffs, third and fourth down stops, all these different types of plays. They have 110 of those plays in the season, which is tied for 12th in the league with the Cowboys, who are probably a top five defense in the league right now. So that, that's where it's at. Like, they're just giving up too many explosive plays. The letdowns are really, really hurting them when they do happen, like the 41-yard run to Nick Chubb, where they had it fit up perfectly. Tranquil miss- misses a tackle in the backfield. Uh, Derwin misses a tackle, and then Elohi misses a tackle, and he's running down the sideline for a 41-yard touchdown. Those plays are hurting them. Uh, if they can continue to make the splash plays the way that they are, and just raise their level of consistency on the other plays, I feel like you're going to have a really good defense. But obviously, like through five games, this is their identity. They're they're boom or bust right now, and it's really hard, you know, to play consistent defense that way. Um, yeah, it, it, the the pass rush opposite Khalil Mack, I think, is a big issue. And, and coming into the season you know, one of the areas of weakness on the roster was edge depth. You know, we looked at it and we said, okay, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, that was always the talk. Like if those two guys are in the game, it's going to be, uh, you know, sack City, one of those guys goes down and they don't have a lot of depth opposite. You know, Kyle Van Noy is what he is at this point in his career. You know, Chris Rumpf is still a young player. He's got a lot of room to grow before he's a consistent pass rusher. Um, and they got Derek Tuska in there. Who they signed on waivers and it's like they're not getting a lot from those guys over the last two weeks, you know, Van Noy has one pressure in 29 pass rush attempts. Chris Rump has four pressures and 35 pass rush snaps. Derek Tuska has zero pressures and 11 pass rush snaps. And so, you know, it, you know, you're not going to get the same level of production from Khalil Mack when, when opposing offenses can focus their protection plan at him. And I think that's what you're seeing right now. Um, you know, I, I agree with money in terms of the interior rush. You, you're not going to see that against the Browns. I also think it was just a weird, Game from a pass rush perspective because they can run the ball so well. It's hard to you know get a, 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 a bunch of pass rush snaps where you can pin your ears back and get after the quarterback. It's just not going to be that type of game. I think Morgan Fox has been tremendous this season. I think one of the best they're value be signings different. in all of free agency. Um, and he's and and they're getting enough on the interior. I just think like how do you get pressure on the other side opposite Kluumac? How do you make that happen? It's not going to happen in true pass rush situations. So how do you engineer it? How do you make it happen? And I think you, you need to stop the run. You need to get into known pass situations. And then and then Brandon Steele can open up the playbook and get into some of these designer designer uh, blitzes, designer sim pressures. I think they were able to do that in the first couple games of the season. Uh, but they, they're going to have to find a way to engineer it to open things up for Khalil because teams can really focus on him now with Joey Bosa. Out.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, this, We're in October, middle of October. You know, we're five games in. Usually in the next two weeks is when you'll start to see teams wave the white flag. And I think, you know, it's going to be an interesting conversation. We know how much Tom values draft picks. But, you know, there's a team in Carolina that reportedly is going to be interested in a fire sale. And and I don't know what the – they you know, they have a billionaire owner. I think he's – I think Tepper's the richest owner in the league, if not maybe this whatever. So he he doesn't care. He'll eat money. But, you know – If you have a GM that says, Yeah, I think it's probably good for us to compile some draft picks, let's make a run at a quarterback. If Brian Burns is available, like to me, that's just a a no-brainer. I think I don't know what the timeline is on Joey, but I think this team's too good not to make you know, and they and they have already pushed all their chips in and free agency um to have Justin on this contract to not take advantage of every opportunity that presents itself. And it's just kind of one of those teams and burns and, and you know and even on the other side of the ball in Carolina to get that deep threat in Robbie Anderson with guyton out you know I mean you might be able to 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 I mean it's crazy we never see it but who knows send him your second and third and get burns and Anderson or something like that along those lines you know whatever it may be like I think that's you know we don't see it a lot with especially you know it just it tends to it, it tends to not work in the NFL because you've you know you've got schemes and coaching and verbiage and all but you know, if you're a deep threat and if you're a pass rusher, it's, hey, deep threat, go. You know, hey, pass rusher, you know what to do. Go get them. Like, it's yeah. – those are two positions that you can acquire in a trade and they can make an immediate impact. And I, I've got to believe that, that Tom and JoJo and, and John, and, and they're all looking at it um, as, as a possibility because of how much injury, you know, attrition they've sustained. College yeah, I, the,
1: teammate of Derwins, uh, Asante, another seminal on the defense, yeah. guys?
2: The only thing about Burns is like you'd have to pay him. That's the issue with Burns. That's right. where I would struggle with that is he's still on a rookie deal and he would be due, you know, one of those elite, elite top of the market edge rusher contracts, and you're already paying Joey Bosa. I mean, his his cap hit is over thirty million dollars. You know, what are you doing with Khalil? That's the only issue I would have there. Like, what do you do in terms of paying him? The Robbie Anderson trade is like a no brainer. Because he's got all his money is in signing bonus. So you trade for him, you're paying under a million dollars in prorated salary to him. And then you can cut him after the season and take on no dead money. So like that one is a no brainer to me because it's, it's obvious. Like you saw it in the Browns game. These safeties are playing like eight yards. They're, they're in split safety shell and they're playing eight yards off the line of scrimmage. Because they just don't respect any of the speed. And, like, listen, Mike Williams can get to the deep part of the field. We saw it on one of those plays where they were, the safeties were walked up and Mike got deep and made that acrobatic catch on the go ball. But it takes him a little bit of time to get down there. Like, it takes extra time for a 4 5 guy to get downfield as opposed to a 4 3 guy like Robbie Anderson. Money makes sense. The fit makes sense. I think it's money hit the, the nail on the head there. Like, you're, there's not a lot to, to to implement in terms of scheme for him it's like you're bringing him in to run go routes right and to and, to, and even if he's not productive you need the threat there and that's what Jalen Guyton brought is like when he was on the field at least teams had to respect the speed in the deep part of the field
0: yeah and Papa, had, I would say just in the case of Burns real quick Chris to put a button on it like I know that we always think about long term and draft picks and development and how like you got a fifth year option and i think it's just this short window. It's like, you know what? Hopefully he doesn't hold out. We'll pick up the 5th year option. He'll make 15 to 22 million dollars, whatever that number will be, and if you let him go, you let him go, you know, and that's and that's it. But the team's just i think the conference, there's too much parity in the conference. The team's got too much talent to not figure out a way to to plug those holes and get into the tournament. Just get in. And if Joey's back, you know, now you've got real depth out there, you know, and you can rotate through the postseason. Like, that's just – I guess for me, I'm just looking so much more short-term this year than I've ever thought about before. Because um, we've never seen the Chargers throw around money like this in the offseason. You know, we just – we haven't seen it. And mm-hmm. it's clear that after the Rams won the Super Bowl, Herbert is, you know, a budding superstar that's, you know, top five in jersey sales every month now. And it, it feels like these owners, you know, that, that ownership wants it. They want it this year. They, they, you know, after the Rams did it last year, they want it this year. So now you got to figure out, okay, we've taken some hits. How do we make that happen?
2: You right, your, Make make, you get, make the trade and figure it out later, right? Exactly. You got your, uh,
1: your quarterback on a rookie deal. And I think the buy comes at a nice time. You can evaluate where you're at. If you're five and two, you do exactly what the Rams did last year when they got Odell and Von Miller, you get your, you get your edge rusher, you get another weapon for Justin Herbert and you try to win this thing and go for it. I, right. I think third year of Justin Herbert and not getting the playoffs, that, that's not gonna be acceptable. That, that, no. that has to change. And if you can make those trades, you do it. The, the run defense is something money I, I wanna talk to you about because we saw it with Clyde Edwards, Alaire, big run, uh, the Robinson 50 yard touchdown, the Pierce 75 yard touchdown, the Chubb 41 or 42 yard touchdown. Um, listen, Javante Williams would have been a load on Monday Night Football. It's Melvin Gordon. We all know Melvin. Um and he's been with the Broncos for for quite a bit now. Yeah, he fumbles. Um, yeah. And he's he's fumbled at really inopportune times. It both stops. Um if if Melvin gets that Titans going, game on the
2: goal line. I know yeah. that.
1: I'll never Three times. That. I'll never forget that game. That and you know what that, yeah. that game the Titans went in a different direction than the Chargers that year. That was Tannehill's first start and it ended up being you know, great for Tennessee, not so great for the Chargers. Eh. Uh, led to Justin Herbert. <laughs> well,
0: yeah. So <laughs> sure. You know, led, led to Justin Herbert. I'll exactly take it. I'll, I'll take the hit. Sorry, Phil. Wish you could have made one more postseason run. But uh, considering what that offensive line looked like, ultimately <laughs> how that roster was constructed, I'm going to go ahead and take the losses and get Justin Herbert out of that one. Thank you, Melvin, for fumbling uh, three <laughs> times. had to go
1: Money Monday night, I think, is going to be it's going to be really important for this run defense to get some confidence stopping Melvin. You got Ken Walker coming in the following week who, uh, who had a pretty good game last week in in absence of uh, Rashad Penny. Um, and you're going to have to face some pretty good running attacks in the back half of the year. I think starting Monday night, stopping Mel could be the key.
0: I, I, you know, I, I'll just echo what, what Popper said. He hit it on the head, you know, they'll do a great job of containing, containing, and then pop, you know, pardon the pun, but you know, it happened with Damian Pierce, 75 yards happened with Nick Chubb. 41 yards happened with Robinson. 50 yards happened with Edwards-Alaire. Like, you've got to prevent those plays. You know, yeah. you work so hard, and and I'm not making excuses for the defense because that's part of it. Like, you cannot allow explosive plays. It, you know, your your numbers are what they are. If you're one of the worst rush defenses, I don't care if it's a single run every game. That run still exists, and it still causes damage to your, to your outcome and potential outcome of winning. So... They've just got to figure it out. Um, You know, Javante Williams would have been – not having him is a huge blow. He is such a low just in terms of physicality, uh, ability to run after contact. You know, Melvin's a really good back. He's just not what he used to be. You know, and again, he he puts the ball on the ground. So that's going to help him a lot. Um, Again, their offensive line is banged up. So the, it's funny, like, when, you know, we talked about this at the start of the season about the AFC West, and I said, you know, the reason why I could picture the Broncos finishing fourth is because, you know, you lose Vic Fangio, the best defensive coordinator in the league. I was like, that defense is going to have to take a step back because Vic is gone. Defense has been exceptional. <laughs> it been amazing. <laughs> the guy they hired to change the offense that's been a disaster. So it's it's kind of funny how it's all – managed to shake out, but that's where like my level of concern is, is that defense is still really good. And it's been a, since Herbert's taken over, you look at every year, you know, every year it's been one torch, the Broncos, the other can't get anything, you know, they've split the season series these last two years. And it's just been really curious the way that it's worked out. I mean, they have really put it on that defense in two of those games and they've not been able to get anything going in the other two. So it's, and it's, Pretty much the same personnel minus Von Miller. Now, that's a huge minus, but the secondary is exceptional. Mm -hmm. Um, So, it's going to have to be another run the heck out of the ball and let play action do some damage Simmons coming
1: back, Money. Sorry to interrupt. Simmons coming back, I think. Yeah,
0: coming up. Well, he's available to come off the IR. So, I don't know. I haven't seen the practice reports. Um, I don't think there are any yet. So, you know, once get an idea as to whether or not he's out there. Look, he's one of the best safeties in the league. You know, so that's – and he's – I think what's he picked off Herbert twice. I think now, so Probably, yeah. yeah, not great. Yeah,
2: yeah, I, I'm sort of fascinated to see what happens in the passing game here because you know Pat Sertan is like you guys are saying one of the best corners in the league, and you expect him to follow Mike Williams. And who's going to step up in this passing game? And that, that's one thing that I don't think is talked about enough. I know we talk about Keenan's injury, but what Keenan Allen means to this passing offense on money downs—no pun intended. There, we're just using puns right. with each other's names, yeah. but. So I looked up the stats just because I was curious. Keenan Allen had 30 third and fourth down conversions last year. 30. Only one receiver in the entire league had more, and that was Cooper Cup at 33. Like in third third and fourth down, he is one of the best receivers in the league in terms of converting. And so not having that changes everything in those situations. Like you talk about that fourth down call. They are 100% going to Keenan in that situation if he's on the field. And so that has to be factored in terms of the offense. But if you go up against a corner like this who can take away Mike Williams or at least limit him, who is stepping up in his absence? And Josh Palmer's injured right now. That's why he's not performing at the level I think we all expected. He's got an ankle thing. Now he's got a knee thing. He just hasn't looked like himself physically. And so is it DeAndre Carter? Is it Gerald Everett at tight end? Does Donald Parham step up and, and find – his way after missing all that time and finally returning last week, like somebody's gonna have to step up here because Pat Sertan is the real deal, and I don't think you can count on Mike Williams putting up a buck thirty with ten catches in this game against that guy.
1: Money, look at these receiving uh, stats from Sunday. Mike ten for one thirty four. He was targeted thirteen times. Nobody else was targeted more than six times. Josh Kelly thirty three yards was number two. Eckler number three twenty six. So clearly, you're starting to see the absence of Keenan Allen in in the
0: passing game. Yeah, no doubt. Hey. Oh no. <laughs> look at this. In a in an in an automobile. What? <laughs> what,
3: what is happening? Why why does this Better look so Hey, long? you know what? It's better late good. than never. You look great. <laughs> you look
1: great. 40 minutes in, Jeff Miller finds a way to get <laughs> right. on.
2: Unbelievable. How are you, brother? Well, I, I, don't ha- there, I don't right. even have I don't even I don't even have to make a joke here.
0: It just speaks for <laughs> itself. Yeah, Mr. Miata has joined the conversation.
3: <laughs> oh so what can i add guys well it, we've,
0: <laughs> we've pretty much talked about anything and everything so uh i i think the the safest thing to say to you jeff is uh what what would you like to share with the folks listening uh that, that have sat through the 40 minutes thus far <laughs>
3: uh, i'm the only thing i'm sure is you have not missed anything by be, not being here
1: <laughs> jeff give us your give us your two minute uh, uh thought on uh the, the Chargers and Broncos on Monday Night Football, based on what you saw uh, last week in Cleveland, Chargers 3-2 could get to 4-2, Mr. Miller.
3: Uh, you know what I think is might be a possibility here is there might not be a player in the NFL more motivated this week than Russell Wilson, right? Because he's going to spend like 10, 11 days being told how terrible he is and he's old and he can't run and he can't throw and he's lost it completely. So uh, that'd be the one thing I would look for is, you know, he has a chance to, if he's going to play really well some week, this would be the week you'd think.
0: Yeah. 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 Right? yeah. Am
3: right. Am I yeah, right? We, kind of we already talked about,
0: about 10 it. Yeah. Minutes? <laughs> we got into that one for a good 10 minutes, but that's okay. We're all in sync. Well, we're, 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 it's funny. You know, we all think the exact yeah, same so, thing. We've, we've covered the chargers long enough to know. Yeah. I see. I, I know how this story goes. This, this is the yeah. guy who's had a terrible season and then shows up and it's finally his week to be motivated and crush everyone.
3: What? So I'm curious, do you guys, do you think he might be done? Like, no. is this the beginning of the end we're seeing with him or no? You just think it's a blip and he's going to figure out. I think out he's fat.
0: Maybe... You know, I think, I think.
3: He, he, he yeah, he doesn't run. Yeah. He doesn't move. He's, he's not moving He, well, he looks
0: right? terrible. He's not moving well. He looks like he's carrying probably 15 pounds too many, um, so, I'd be worried about that. I mean, his mobility has always been one of his great assets. I, I, I remember, you know, earlier in his career, I always described him to Floyd Mayweather Jr. I was like, the guy just never takes a clean hit. It's like you think you have him squared up and then he's gone.
1: He doesn't want to run anymore, though. He doesn't no. try to run anymore. But you he's know, got to because he's
0: 5'10. Like, yeah. he, he, he can't stand in the, he's, it's yeah. that stature of an individual cannot stand in the pocket and try to distribute. It just mm-hmm. doesn't work. Jeff, I was just
1: asking Money about basically the fact that, you know, everything's running through Mike Williams right now. We're starting to see the passing game miss Keenan Allen a little bit, and Money was, was expounding on that.
3: Uh, I, I think that's true. And, I, um, you know, it's kind of like the Rams, right? Everything everything they do is Cooper Cup, and they can't get the ball to anybody else. And I don't, I'm not saying the Chargers are at that point. They're not that but, – uh, but, yeah, you know, I mean – how many targets has Keenan had since Justin joined the team? All those are gone, you know, hundreds, right? And those, all those are gone now. So uh, uh, there's no there's no doubt. I mean, they've done well to not miss him to this point. But uh, at some point, you know, it's going to catch up with him. And I, I like Pop and I were talking yesterday, I don't know. I don't think he's going to play this week. You know, I could be proven wrong. I mean, we'll see. But uh, I think they're going to have another week without him. Pop, yeah what do, you, what do you
1: think about this uh, uh wide receiver position i think we talked about robbie anderson too jeff you missed a lot
2: <laughs> yeah no.
3: so what? what is that like a real thing you think or no You're just
0: talking about fire sale with the the panthers they fired their yeah. their head coach and you know they they need picks they, they have no picks they've traded weight i think they have three maybe four picks in the 2023 draft and if you know if you want a quarterback and you don't have the number one pick you're gonna to have to figure out a way to get ammo to move up so you ain't gonna be able to do it with four picks so we'll uh you know we we're just kind of kicking around they're gonna probably you know they've got to figure out the quarterback position and they're probably going to Absolutely, be looking to yeah. get some draft capital and if you feel like you know your one is going to be at the back end of the first round then you know why not try to get an edge rusher like Brian Burns or, you know, use a a three or something like that to go get Robbie Anderson.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean it it runs counter to how this front office has operated for a decade, but then again, they completely ran counter to everything they've done over in this off season. So, you know, I I don't think it's out of the question. The Robbie Anderson one makes a ton of sense to me, as I mentioned earlier, just from a money perspective and, and how he, he fits. Um, But, yeah, I mean, the Chargers have to be better on third down. Like, that's where – like, they were excellent on third down last year. They were tied for fifth in the league on third down last year. They're in bottom half of the league this year on third down. Like, and that's because they're missing Keenan. Like, third third and four to six, there's no one better in the NFL than Keenan Allen. And, uh, you know, they're missing him right now. And I think you're seeing it in in sort of how some of these drives are operating. A lot of this production is is coming in schemed up uh, plays. Like, you know, a lot of, like, play action misdirection stuff where Mike is running, uh, you know – Crossers against the flow of the defense. Like a lot of the stuff is coming from schemed up plays from Joe Lombardi. You're not seeing a lot of you know these receivers just winning one on one like Keenan does, and and that's where you're that's where you're seeing him miss is, in, is on these money down situations. They, they 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 need him back to be the offense everyone expected them to be. I think that that much is clear.
0: And that was supposed to be Josh Palmer. You know he was he was supposed yeah. to take that step, and he's just been banged up. You can see, I mean, he's, he's just from, hurt. From the, yeah, yeah, from the first yeah. snap, you can see him run a route and immediately. He's hobbling, so right.
2: I mean, yeah, they tried to run a, a, a flat slant there, and he just collided with the defender, knee to knee, yeah. and now he's got an ankle and a knee. And it's like, you know, everyone's like, "Why isn't Josh Palmer the guy everyone expects him to be?" Well, you, you know, when you have 900 sure. injuries in your lower half, you're not going to be the same the same player.
1: But you're right that you know, not having Guyton but, uh, on the field just to respect that speed, I think that's just what the Chargers are lacking right now, Jeff.
3: Yeah. Oh. that fourth down play Sunday, would that have been Keenan? I think so. In The slot there and that and running that slant and maybe given the way the defense played that he he might have Keenan might have adjusted that route and Justin would have been on the same page and maybe they would have hit something there and I don't think Mike and Justin maybe have that exact chemistry that and so you saw it happen and maybe you know maybe if
0: that's Keenan he knows to stop and turn around yeah that's exactly three yards past the sticks stop and turn around yeah yeah
3: it's. It's yeah. So I mean, who who knows? We'll never know, obviously. But uh, but that's what Pop's talking about right there. I mean, they, you know, if 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 Keenan's on the field, this whole conversation from the last whatever days has been is, probably doesn't even take yeah. place about the fourth down and everything and all that. So yeah, they, you know, he's uh, he's elite and he's a pro bowler. So uh, those guys, uh, you, you lose those guys, it catches up. Yeah, you DeAndre can-
2: Carter was in the slot on that play, and. Greg Newsom was in the slot, and he covered Eckler. So he actually came on a blitz, but he was really in man coverage on the running back. So as soon as that happened at the snap, Carter was open. And I'm, I imagine Keenan and Justin have such a good rapport that Keenan probably senses that, sees the, the slot corner drop down on the running back, and he probably just turns around okay. right at right at the first down marker. And Justin probably sees it. They know that, that that's going to happen after that rotation, and it's probably a conversion there to Keenan. But DeAndre Carter obviously just doesn't have that same – uh, chemistry with Herbert or, the, right. you know, the same awareness. I mean, Keenan is has the best awareness of any receiver in the league up there with any receiver in the league
1: money, the division 10 and 10, the AFC West. Uh, I know it's week six. I know it's still early, but man, it's such a huge game for the chargers to get to four and two, put the Broncos in your rear view. The Raiders are already one and four. The, the chiefs, you mentioned the tough schedule. They got the bills. I think they got the Niners after that. This is a, a golden opportunity for the chargers.
0: Well you don't want, you know, the chiefs to pull away. You mentioned they they got bills 49ers. <laughs> I just
3: I've, I've torpedoed the entire <laughs> podcast. <laughs> he's sideways.
0: Brian, please keep this in. Please keep this
1: in.
2: Jeff makes a cameo, leaves <laughs> and comes back with his face sideways. sideways. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, what a performance.
0: Pop, he's got that little Miata, you know, so he's he's like a stunt driver. He's probably got that thing what? on two wheels. Just kind Our of cruising the right now.
2: <laughs> this is just, I mean, professionalism personified here from right. Jeff Miller of the LA Times.
0: That's, uh, that's Miller. Try, try, so to, let me try you, to finish your I answer, buddy, with a straight face. <laughs> I don't want to all say right, anything. I just want to give you the floor, Jeff. It's all you. What's your you, Yeah, what's your
2: hottest Chargers take uh, from a sideways perspective here? Give it to us.
0: Yeah, what's gotten sideways on the Chargers through five games, Jeff? <laughs> uh,
3: I, I, I'm looking at my phone. I look perfect. You guys look all screwed up, so I don't know what you're talking no. about. I'm,
0: I'm, there you go. <laughs>
2: blaming others. Classic Miller. Blaming others for his own execution.
3: <laughs> well,
1: Jeff, you came in just in time to make this thing go off the rails. Uh, one final thing. A key to the game and a player to watch. We did this last year on our roundtables. I enjoyed them. Popper, we'll start with you. Key to the game and a player to watch.
2: All right. I would say key to the game is protecting Justin Herbert and dealing with Bradley Chubb. Um, I mean, I, I know I'm a broken record with this, but you know, you feel like you got to be able to protect the quarterback week to week, especially when you're going up against edge rushers that are – that are this good. And I think offensively, like keep the running game going. Yep. And then as well, like, you know, keep the running game going and, and figure out a way to, to maintain this. I think those two things offensively and then, okay. Uh, defensively find a way to generate some pass rush opposite Khalil Mack. I know we were talking about that earlier. Um, it just hasn't been there. And I, I think it starts with stopping the run and getting yourself in a known pass situations. And so, Brandon Taylor can open up this playbook and and dial up some sim pressures and some blitzes that can get Russell Wilson rattled.
1: I'm going to let Jeff go last because this Oh no, is let
0: Jeff go bad. next. He's he's earned good. it. All right. He's earned it. Jeff key to the game and a player to watch. And there we and go. He, <laughs> and he's and gone. He's gone. <laughs> and he's gone. Buddy, you uh, you
1: answer and we'll see if he if he comes
0: in before we end this. Yeah, I think it's you know, Popper alluded to it earlier. It's got to stop the explosive plays. You know, Cortland Sutton is capable of explosive plays. So is Jerry Judy. You know, we saw David Njoku get a couple of them. You know, like I said, Alberto is just ridiculous athleticism at the tight end position. You know, and, and they use Derwin so much. That's why, like, the loss of Javante is such a big deal because they would have probably had to use Derwin like they did against the Browns and keep him a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, not let him cover Njoku as much and he got loose, you know, is, is Derwin kind of had to pick, you know, the half dozen, you know, of one, six of the other, and what am I going to do? And I think that would have been very similar. You don't have that same type of threat in the backfield. Um, yeah. But I'm going to go, like, player. my player, I think it's – look, I think it's going to be Drew Tranquil. I think he's just been so good at, you know, you pointed out, like Nick Chubb's big run came when Drew had it red. He just didn't make the tackle, you know. Like, he's so good at, at reading – and fit, and stopping that run. And I think if you can do that, you know, there's there's still a lot of look. Do I think Russell Wilson's going to bounce back? Yeah. But there's still a ton of pressure on him. And it's still, you know, in honor of Jeff Miller, it's gotten sideways on both of those guys. Nate Hackett and Russell Wilson, they are taking so much incoming because they have zero equity in that town. And if you can get to them early, you know, if you can get, what would you say, Popper, they had 110 explosive – or splash plays on defense Mm -hmm. so get one of those early you know the guy had two bad interceptions last week get one of those early and now freaking out you're off the rails people are upset again and um you know and I I feel like the offense is going to do fine I really do like I feel like they found something you know the rotation with Josh using Austin Moore not trying to save him until the playoffs because he gets banged up toward the end of the year, that's out the window. So now you're seeing him get much higher usage and that's why mm-hmm. everyone's like, well, what's happened? Well, yeah, he's getting used. You know, they mm-hmm. were trying to save him because, you know, they want to win a Super Bowl, and now they're like, well, we got to play him. Like that's just reality now. So yeah. that's why. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I think I'm kind of all over the place like Jeff,
2: Yeah. But- I realized that I, I didn't even give a player to watch. I just said keys offensively and defensively. I blame Jeff Miller. He came yes. in here and just completely disrupted my flow. I'm focused on him. I'm focused on him popping in, popping out. Is he going to be sideways? Is he going to be the right orientation of his of his camera? So I blame Miller. It's all on coaching. It's not an execution. Um, player to watch, JC Jackson. That's where I'm going with there this it one. Is. <clears throat> because... You you know, I think the conversation has been a little bit curious to me around JC Jackson in terms of how Brandon Staley has answered some of these questions, saying, you know, he's the right guy to be coaching. You don't pay a guy $83 million to bring him in here and groom him into a productive player. You pay a guy $83 million for him to come in here and be productive from the jump. And I know he's dealing with this ankle thing. It's obviously having an impact on him, but he needs to be an elite player. It doesn't need to be a process to groom him into this scheme. He needs to start producing. And, like, I understand that some of it's transition – but the plays that he's getting beat on he's in single coverage yeah. man like like the touchdown to Amari Cooper Amari dusted he's in, him dusted him i mean he's jumping he's jumping inside i mean there was a slant early in the game where Amari he's play, jc's playing inside leverage he's he, his leverage is to take away the slant and for whatever reason he just jumps outside and Amari beats him to the inside like he he just needs to play better he needs to be an elite cornerback cuz that's why they paid him and i think you know this is an opportunity for him to step up against a really good Broncos receiving core.
1: Yeah, and I'll just quickly add you know, the Chargers have allowed the fewest sacks in the NFL um, with this offensive line. And, you know, you, you have Bradley Chubb and company coming to town. Uh, another big test for Jamari Sawyer and Trey Pipkins, uh, keeping Justin clean, knowing, you know, what Justin's kind of playing through right now. And I, I'll say it's time for Khalil Mack to just wreck a game, man. Yeah. He, he's had a career, 11 sacks against the Broncos, um, you know, a lot of that playing. Uh, with the Raiders. I think he had like a four or five sack game against the Broncos back in the day. But, you know, I think it's time for Khalil to wreck a game, wreck a, wreck a Russell Wilson uh, game plan and, and get to four and two. You know, that's why you, you bring in these elite players. And that's why, like you said, JC, it's time to go, man. You know, money talked yeah. about Cortland Sutton. He's no joke, dude. He like the way he's playing despite his quarterback right now. It, it's pretty remarkable. You know, Jerry Judy has a pair of touchdowns too. Money, I, I think Cortland Sutton, you know, he, he is terrifying. And, and J.C., if he's on him, he's going
0: to have to be on his P's and Q's. I mean, the good news, and I think you hit it on the head there, Chris, because I'm just pulling up the, uh, the PFF grades here, or the PFF pressures, I should say. Um, you're talking about Billy Turner and signed off the Jets practice squad, Calvin Anderson. Time to tackles. go, right? Time to go. Billy Turner's terrible. Uh, Calvin Anderson is a practice squad player. So, uh, let's see, pass protection. Oh, you know what? And Billy hasn't even played this year. So, you know, the interior is solid. I like Cushionberry. Reisner's good. Minerts is okay. You know, but those tackles, uh, you can get after them. I mean, you had Fleming allowed 13 pressures and two sacks. Bulls, 13 pressures and a sack. Reisner's allowed two on nine pressures on the interior. Cushionberry one. Uh, Glasgow, you can get after him. So I, I think you hit it on the head. Let's let's get Khalil on uh, either Billy Turner or practice squad Calvin Anderson, and uh, maybe pick up a couple here on Monday. Yep. Good stuff, boys. I,
1: I think Jeff realized that he he probably shouldn't even pop in yeah. a fourth time. I think he I think he realized it's a wrap. We got him sideways. Jeff,
2: Jeff texts in here quote I am the destroyer of podcasts. With three exclamation points! So <laughs> there you go. That's his, that's his key to the game and player to watch for Jeff
0: Miller. And we appreciate that from Jeff. Yeah, wouldn't have every <laughs> now and then. <laughs> hey, look! Every now and then, a podcast has to get wrecked.
2: What a great yeah. forty minutes that was! Jeff came in and we just it just went off the rails. I was ten was
0: minutes just... late. Jeff's forty minutes late. It was just a. Uh, it's Monday Night Football. You know, we all got our weekend to ourselves, so we're acting like complete idiots.
2: We're, we're gonna. I was
1: we'll I was
0: here me. on time,
2: just for the record. Okay. Yeah.
0: If you want to go straight to Jeff Miller, we'll time code this. If, if
1: you just want to go like the 42 33 mark or whatever it ends up being, you go right. see Jeff Miller sideways. And get Gentlemen, <laughs> hey, always appreciate it. Uh, for Money for Popper, I'm Chris. Monday Night Football, Chargers Broncos at SoFi Stadium. Enjoy the weekend.